And welcome back to the scoreboard. Today is November 3rd, and along with Nolan Ezit and Terrence Holton, I'm Crash Collier. How are you guys doing today? I'm doing pretty great. How about you, Nolan? I'm doing pretty good. I'm doing pretty good. It's a Friday. Can't complain. Yeah, same here. I mean, just went for a surf this morning. Now we're recording this. Wow, yeah. Pretty good morning. <laughs> All right, so before we get into our uh, weekly football rant, I guess we could call at it at this point, point. Yeah. <laughs> especially after last week's therapeutic session. Yeah. Let's just, we'll call it as it is. We're going to start with a little basketball from both the men's and women's teams who opened their seasons on Monday in Las Vegas. Let's get to the men's team first. The 21st-ranked Trojans will host the Kansas State Wildcats at 7 p.m. on Monday, televised on TNT. What are you guys' thoughts going into this? I'm excited. I mean, like, I really can't wait for this. I mean, especially how football's looked the past few weeks. I think, you know, until football picks up a big win, USC is a basketball school. Ooh. And I, I know, I know. A basketball school, that's a first for us. I know, fighting words. Um, I feel like that was more applicable two years ago after Helton got canned. Yeah. <laughs> before Riley showed up. I don't know. I'm excited. I'm really excited. I, I mean, I think truly this is the best backcourt in college basketball with Isaiah Collier, Boogie Ellis. And an underrated aspect of this team is their defense. I mean, you're returning Joshua Morgan, Kobe Johnson, plus bringing in DJ Rodman. I mean, they're going to be fun to watch. Absolutely. It's going to be a really good game for sure, especially, I mean, sure, they lost a lot of talent, as we were talking about before we went on, Terrence, but Kansas State made it to the Elite Eight and lost to eventual Final Four, a team that made it to the Final Four in uh, Florida Atlantic last year. So it's definitely going to be a good matchup. What are your thoughts, Nolan? Yeah, I mean, I think one thing that this team has is this Trojan team, other than, like you mentioned, um, Terrence, defense and offense. Yes, they're, they're great, both sides of the ball. They also have experience together. They... Toward the end of last season, they started looking more polished together. This team has a lot of returning guys. Sure, they they lost Drew Peterson. They have a little bit of talent that departed. But for the most part, the core of this team is still there. You still have the leading scorer in Boogie Ellis. You still have got great defenders, Kobe Johnson, Josh Morgan. And then you bring in, of course, the number one recruit in the nation, Isaiah Collier. I think this team has a lot of experience together. This team has shown that they know how to play together, and they're just bringing in a little more talent. I think this Trojan team, I think the outlook for this team is really, really good, and I, I think and, and definitely I'm hoping for for a, a really great start in, in a win against Kansas State. For sure, yeah, and I want to touch on what you said about Boogie Ellis coming back. I remember everyone thought he was for sure gone, and then I just remember that day he was uh, – it started going on social media, and then the next day I see him with Andy Enfield and Mike Bono at a lacrosse game, I think to make some sort of public statement about it. So I just found that really interesting. And plus, like, sure, they lost Reese Dixon Waters to San Diego State, Trey White to Louisville, Drew Peterson in the NBA now. But still, overall, like you said, it's a very polished team. They're gonna, they're definitely going to give people a fight. Uh, oh, it's going to be a really good team for sure. I mean, hence the 21, right? getting pre-ranked at 21st but I'm a little surprised Kansas State isn't ranked especially sure like especially just with how like consistent they've been lately oh yeah they're a really good team I'm a big fan of Jerome Tang the head coach as well as they brought in they lost a lot of talent uh most notably Marquise Noel and um I'm liking on his name but forward um and brought in Arthur Kaluma from Creighton another guy who has elite eight experience he was a really big factor in their elite eight run last year uh, for the Blue Jays uh Kansas State is a good, they are a good team. So this should be a good matchup. I was just looking at it. USC is currently favored by three, uh, which I think is a fair estimate. But I still think the Trojans will take this one. I think it's dropped to two and a half at least. Has it? Oh, yeah, at least at, according to ESPN. Maybe. Oh, I'm looking at DraftKings right uh, now. Oh, never mind. It could be. 
Well, know. somewhere in that range. I yeah, think somewhere. it's. I think the game could go either way, personally, but it's going to probably end by like someone winning by three. Yeah, less three or less. Yeah, I'm. I'm thinking it's going to be a close game too. What's interesting is this is a Kansas State team that, like you mentioned, crash has been very consistent over the years versus a USC team that has been consistent in recent years, but are are have never really been been considered a basketball school. So it is very interesting to see how these teams are gonna are gonna are gonna lay out. I do think. You know, you, you mentioned the the absent in talent also like with Trey White and Reese Dixon Waters. What I think is going to be really helpful for this team is all the guys that have left and that we're going to be missing are guards. And we're we're a very we're 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 a small team. But even this year, with bringing in Isaiah Collier, still having Boogie Ellis, we're still going to be a small team. We've still got great guards. And I think the big thing is we do need at all times one or two guys, one or two big guys. On the court, unfortunately for us, we've still got Josh, we've still got Vincent, and I think that's what's going to be really helpful, especially in a game against a team like Kansas State that has solidified themselves in recent years as a very legitimate basketball school. Absolutely, yeah. And then hopefully Harrison Horner and Kajani Wright can also sort of step into that role in a likely lesser capacity than Iwuchuku or uh, Morgan, but still, they definitely have the size to be able to do it. And with that, let's turn to the uh, women's basketball matchup in Las Vegas happening earlier that day at 11 a.m. on True TV. They will, the 21st ranked Trojans will take on the 7th ranked Ohio State Buckeyes who made it to the Elite Eight last season. So what are your thoughts on all that? I'm excited. I mean, it's another one that is just, I'm really excited for basketball to start. Uh, we got our first taste of Juju Watkins, the number one recruit in the class of 2023. You know, Rhea Marshall's back. Um, and meanwhile, they're playing a great opponent in Ohio State. They lost their best player in Taylor Miskell uh, to the uh, Mike Sell, excuse me, to the WNBA. But this team last year had six double-digit scores. Obviously, went to the Elite Eight, or you know, Elite Eight, right? Yeah, yeah. Elite Eight. Um, so it, it'll be a great game. I think the Trojans, in my opinion, I think the Trojans are going to upset the Buckeyes, really solidify themselves, show them, show the country that USC hoops is on the come up. Yeah, especially when you got like no, like number one recruit in the country, and then. I think this one could go either way, too. I'm also going to say probably whoever wins is win by three or less. So, yeah, but still, it's going to be a great game for sure. Yeah, I mean, I'm really looking forward to this game. This is a Trojan team. Last year, that was really good, finishing at 21 and 10. Their their point differential margin on average was, was 9.1 points. They put up an average of 64 points a game, gave up 55 a game. They had a good offense and a good defense, and bringing in Juju is only going to help. I'm also just excited to see how the basketball culture, culture in general shifts at USC with bringing in the number one recruit in men's and women's hoops. I've already seen and heard a lot of people talking about it, which is really interesting to hear because compared to last season, no one really cared about basketball. No oh, one no. talked about basketball well, except for the day of the games and maybe the UCLA game. People talked about yeah. it a little bit. Well, I think before. part of the, I mean, I think with part of the problem, at least on the men's side, was they completely blew their opener to Florida Gulf Coast. That, yeah, that, that was, was a game bad. they should have won. Completely killed hype from the day one. I know. And it just, when you lose a game like that, you should, should win, like especially your home opener when you're a high favorite. It just can completely kill momentum. It'd be like if USC football had lost like San Jose State in the opener. <laughs> yeah. Just put it at that, pretty much. Like, I mean, I feel like it'd be a little different because USC has the football reputation to get fans to keep showing up, but sort of the same idea. And then also, uh, with a, uh, yeah, and then also, yeah, it's just still, yeah, you're like you're saying, it's going to be a really good matchup for sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's what I was going to say. I completely blanked on my point for a sec. 
was that uh, also with uh, Hoop LA, as we're calling it. We're not calling it uh, Hoopla, yeah, I think, not, on this. It is definitely not. <laughs> so Hoop LA, I think that also just shows the athletic department getting behind basketball and wanting to market it more, really get fans excited about it. And I think you really saw that. Like, Terrence, you, you and I saw that when we yeah. were at Galen Center the other night. My only critique being Saweetie and YG not being <laughs> long enough. And I think even some of the players were shocked at how uh, short they were on, too. Yeah. I sure. spoke with uh, Clarice Akunwafa the other day. I caught her, and uh, I think we were waiting for Dulce the other night. So we were talking about Hoop, hoop LA. So, yeah. Before we move on to football, I do want to ask you guys, obviously, the expectation is that Isaiah Collier is going to be a one and done, right? If there's anyone in the nation that we can predict to be a one and done, it's most likely the number one recruit in the nation. Uh, there's obviously no guarantee. He may struggle in his in his freshman year at college, and he, he may have to take a second year. There's no guarantee. But if we had to set, if we had to guess, I, I assume you guys would, would agree. Yeah, one and if, done. Mm-hmm. if anyone, it's going to be him or someone from like you know Duke, Kentucky. But yeah, I agree. Exactly. Well, so, Duke and Kentucky, those I mean, are built it, on those are built on the one and done model. Exactly. That's yeah. true. SC isn't, but but nonetheless, if Isaiah is, let, let's go under the under the assumption that he will be a one and done. Obviously, next season will be a, a little tough, right? I think this is going to be our best season, at least at least for men's hoops. Women's may be different, but for men's, this will be. I think the, the the best season for for our time in college. But do you think that the Trojans are able to shift the basketball culture just through this season? And is that able to 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 um, to continue into future seasons even after Isaiah is gone? So. I have one word for that: winning. They got to win. They got to win big. They got to win often. If they can do that, it's going to be a lot easier for Andy Enfield to sell top recruits on USC. So I actually 100% agree. I think that already there's been a culture change, though. You can see, obviously, bringing in Isaiah Collier, number one recruit. at During Hoop LA, AJ Dianbasta, Dianbasta, sorry, I'm botching that, uh, the number one recruit in the class of 2025, which is crazy to think about, uh, was on campus. And I think you can really already see there's a culture change. Basketball is becoming huge here in LA, and it's it's about time, in my opinion. Yeah, for sure. And with that, let's uh, turn to football. So, USC went to Cal last weekend and came away with a 50-49 to 49 win. Nolan, as you were there, let's hear your thoughts first. I will say, the fans at Berkeley, in terms of the fan experience, I, I will not say Cal blew me away, but they did exceed my expectations. I heard they were good, yeah. It, it, it wasn't terrible. Just talking first about just like the atmosphere at the stadium sure it wasn't great it wasn't like what it's at at the coliseum it certainly wasn't like what it's going to be at at, in tuscaloosa tomorrow there's no way is anything like that but everything that i heard before going to that game from people who grew up in the bay area going to cal games growing up they all said no one cares about the games They, they couldn't care less until they're playing stanford people actually showed up for that game now sure that school has twice the number of undergraduate students as usc And their stadium holds, I want to say, half the number of students that the Coliseum holds, or the the same number of fans, not just students. But nonetheless, the game looked like it was maybe 65, 70% sold out. So nothing impressive, but but solid for Berkeley, impressive for Berkeley. So I'll I'll give Berkeley credit for that. And hey, you know, credit to those fans for for showing up. I mean, they saw they saw a great game. I'm even though they lost, I'm sure that those fans are happy that they got to watch their team almost take down the Trojans. They were getting electric toward the, toward the middle and end of that game. They were they were excited, and overall, just the atmosphere at that game 
was not too bad. And and so I wouldn't give Cal too much hate at all. Fair enough. But yeah. So yeah, obviously another difficult game for the Trojans as they went as Caleb Williams went twenty three for forty through three hundred and sixty nine yards with two passing touchdowns. Marshawn Lloyd, despite a fumble, Riley held true to his promise and stuck, kept giving him the ball. So he had 17 carries for 150 yards and two touchdowns. So I think that just shows a lot more faith in his uh, running back, even just after one mistake. And then also uh, Taj Washington, uh, five receptions, 102 yards. So obviously, I think there's a lot to discuss on this game. So let's get right into it. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. USC needs to run more. They really just do. Marshawn Lloyd is a dog. D-A-W-G, dog. He is so good. He practically willed the Trojans to that win. Obviously fumbled, but he practically willed the Trojans to a win there, especially that late run. I mean, he played phenomenal, and I'm really hoping, even though Washington, they have a bad pass defense and bad defense in general, I'm really hoping that the Trojans will actually lean on the run early, and hopefully that will allow them to air it out. Because let's be honest, the receivers and Caleb Williams have just not played fantastic the past few weeks. They just haven't. So if we can watch Marshawn Lloyd, you know, rip open, rip off a few big runs, that would be huge for the offense. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, he's just been out playing out of his mind all year. Ever since he started touching the ball, just even in like the cupcake games of the season, it was just he was electric. You know, we we talked last week about how Cal's one one strength on their team is their run game. And we definitely saw that. Oh, 100%. We, we, we saw yeah. that, absolutely. Our run defense wasn't great, and their running game was amazing. But talking about Marshawn Lloyd, after his amazing performance, he is now the, the rushing leader in the Pac-12 with 766 rushing yards. He's averaging 7.7 yards a carry. He's a dog. Like you said, Terrence, he's a dog. Eight touchdowns on the season, eight rushing touchdowns on the season. And I'm just baffled that it's taken Lincoln Riley this long to learn that, you know what, when you have a Heisman winner who isn't playing like a Heisman winner anymore, because let's be real, he hasn't been, not at right? All. 23 of 40 passes against Cal, he, he he did not look like a Heisman winner. When that happens and you have a running back who's averaging 7.7 yards a carry, you just give him the ball. He had 17 carries last week. That was the most that he's recorded this entire season, which is baffling to me, considering after a, a blowout against Stanford and, and San Jose, like, those those games toward the beginning of the season, it just I get that Caleb, of course, was looking way better then than he was now. Mm-hmm. But nonetheless, it baffles me that Marshawn Lloyd hasn't gotten twenty plus touches in a single game. The other thing That's that crazy, I think yeah. also maybe part of that was I think they initially were leaning more on Austin Jones, but and I thought he'd be better this year, especially you know knowing he'd be he he was coming into the season as likely the clear number one after Travis Dyer left. But still, I haven't really been that impressed with Austin Jones, and frankly, I'm a little nervous every time he touches the ball. <laughs> like, I mean, I know he scores and he can run, but still, he is not the same player Marshawn Lloyd is. And so I get, you know what, you got to, you know, throw Jones in there a bit so that way, you know, Lloyd isn't taking too much pun- too much punishment when he's tackled because it's not a quarterback where, you know, generally you're either getting the ball or hopefully you're being protected by your line. But still, like, they should be giving Marshawn Lloyd the ball way more than they are. Yeah. I'm going to be honest, though. I disagree on that Austin Jones thing. I actually think Austin Jones has been very solid this year. He's not getting as many touches. He hasn't fumbled as much as Lloyd, for sure. I'm not sure if he's fumbled this year. But in my opinion, he's been playing pretty solid. You switch him in and out with Lloyd pretty simultaneously. Obviously, you lean on Lloyd. 
but then you run it in with Jones, and I think he's actually played pretty well. Like, he had nine rushes for 37 yards and a touchdown versus Cal. I thought he played pretty well. Mm-hmm. I, I think what's interesting to look at is, I'm just looking at the Pac-12 rushing stats right now, player by player, and like I said, Marshawn Lloyd is number one in the Pac-12 in rushing yards at 766. Two through six are with Oregon State, Cal, Oregon, UCLA, and Arizona State. All of them have over 500 rushing yards. Marshawn Lloyd has eight touchdowns. That's tied for first among all those other, uh, among all, all the, the guys in one through six, I guess. But he's the only guy with fewer than 100 carries on the year. That's crazy. Two through yeah. six all have more carries That's than him. That's crazy. Which it, it, it still just baffles me with, with how much Caleb, I don't want to say has been struggling, because he hasn't looked bad this entire season. It's just he's struggled relative to where we know his ceiling is. He's not even close to his he's ceiling. He's the reigning Heisman winner. He's at his floor, basically, right yeah. now. <laughs> and given that he's at his floor, it it just shocks me that, that Lincoln Riley, it seems like he refuses to rely on the run game. Mm-hmm. It's it's a little frustrating. For sure, yeah. And speaking of uh, speaking of uh, running, running backs, let's turn to Jaden Ott. Oh for my gosh, dude. That guy had 21 carries, 153 yards and three touchdowns against an atrocious USC defensive unit. <laughs> yeah. You want to know what's crazy is he didn't play the fourth quarter because of an injury. And I think he didn't I... play a decent amount of the third either. Oh, he God. was ridiculous. And I think Trojan fans should be glad he did not play it. That, because s- that might have been the difference right there. It, it, he ran all over the Trojans. It was ridiculous. Oh, I he wanted to, I wanted to keep runs. slamming my head. If you, if you guys have seen this Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, have either of you seen that no, movie? No, I haven't. Point is that there's an ending scene where Brad Pitt just is slamming the shit out of this girl's head who's trying to attack him, and that's how I felt watching this game. Yeah. I can send you guys a gif of it afterwards, but Dude. oh my gosh! But anyway, so yeah, that's how I felt watching just Jaden Ott and Cal just run all over us. Also, what is up with USC's defense being unable to contain backup quarterbacks for the second week in a row? First, it's Bryson Barnes. Now, Fernando Mendoza, Cal's third quarterback of the year, who went uh, who had. 292 uh, passing yards, two touchdowns. I mean, he did throw an interception, but still. Pretty crazy. How is that, how is that happening, that he's throwing almost 300 yards against USC? Can I tell you how? they? Because Cal almost beat the Trojans the exact same way they almost beat them last year. It was slant, slant, throw it deep. It worked every single time. It was ridiculous. It, it was crazy because I knew exactly what they were going to do. It was ridiculous. It was it was a five yard slant, maybe ten yard slant, that they would end up turning up field for 15, 20 yards every single time. Then as soon as the corners start to play a little inside leverage, oh, you throw deep and then pass interference. That's a different. Oh, that's an even different frustration. Yeah, I have. absolutely. You're exactly right, Terrence. They just switched off between a run with Jaden Knott, which usually went for like 20, 25 <laughs> yards. Then it'd become a Mendoza drop back, fire a slant route for ten yards. Dude takes it up for another thirty. And then and, and then occasionally when our when our when when the Trojan secondary is looking good and actually locking up, there's never anyone even close to Mendoza, and that's how he finished with eight carries, 48 yards, and two rushing touchdowns. I mean, come on, this dude is oh not fat. It, it, it is, it is absurd to me. After he's he's following a game against Utah where he had seven rushes for 12 yards, zero touchdowns, then he goes to SC or plays against SC, eight rushes, 48 yards, two touchdowns. It's just crazy to me that 
There, there's no QB spy. I mean, when I played Madden, oh everyone gosh. knows. Yeah, dude, exactly. You just put a QB spy. I was just about to say that. It's like, again, we talked about this last week. How, like, there's, I don't, how are you not seeing this, Alex Grinch? It's clear that the quarterback is running all over you when the rest of your defense is turned. Just put a spy. Just drop one more person. But you know what? Like he said after, after the Utah game, didn't come up in film. Nope. Nothing comes up in film. Apparently not. Which is tragic. And now let's turn to... Uh, Wait, can I... Oh, sorry. Can we say sorry, one more thing? Sorry, Terrence, yeah. How did we feel about the O-line performance? Because I thought oh. it was abysmal last week. It was awful. It, and it has not been good this entire year. And I don't really see it getting much better. I know we kind of talked about this earlier mm-hmm. in the season. Yeah. And it just takes so long for an offensive line to mesh. And I do want to be a little lenient on them because of any unit on on the team, it is the O-line that takes the longest time to get to know each other and to, and to really put all their trust in each other. Nonetheless, that performance against Cal was bad. really bad and I, I can't give him an excuse agreed and I mean like I said I'll come slack on the fact especially like I think Justin Dietrich and Jonah Monheim are playing different sp- are now in different spots on the O-line but still like how does that happen against Cal like really yeah. so coming into that game I'm I'm pretty sure I'm right on this because I heard the commentator say this coming into this game Cal had not had a sack in Pac-12 play they had four versus USC oh I'm like pretty sure that's the correct statistic. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure that in Pac-12 play, Cal did not have a single sack, and they had four. Oh gosh, it, 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 it's just a little mind-boggling how bad the offensive line is. And Caleb Williams, to his credit, he was doing—he didn't play fantastic, but he was making some more plays outside of the pocket, which is what he's great at. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, the O-line was giving him no time in the pocket. Yeah, so yeah, like he's yeah, it makes sense. And like when you got to scramble, it's like just it makes it way harder to execute plays even though we know Caleb can do it. It's just not happening this year. And like receivers having trouble, more trouble getting open. Yeah, like Taj Washington has kind of surprisingly seemed like the go-to guy. And he I don't is the go-to he is the go- he's the new Jordan Addison. I yeah. know, and it's like surprisingly I think everyone thought it was going to be Zachariah Branch or uh, I thought it was going to be Brendan Rice or Dorian Singer. Oh, yeah, yeah, or Brendan Rice too. And Mario Williams Mario, has just sucked. Ma- Mario Williams has been bad. And like I don't like to call out players like Mario. He has so many drops. It's just he's not looked good at all. Maybe that's why his billboard for power got taken down. <laughs> Gosh. And Oh, one other player who I think has just been kind of bad. Like I just said, I don't like to call out players. One other player who has not been good, Jalen Smith on the defensive side. He has given up some. He's, blo- given he's up had some blown Huge plays, and he had two pass interferences versus Cal. It's just... It's hard to really like argue that he should be playing corner, nickel corner right now. Mm-hmm. I just I, he can't be guarding the fastest guy on the t- on the Cal receiver side. It's just you can't he can't anymore. Yeah, if that's how it's gonna be, how's it gonna be against uh, Washington? Yeah, like, exactly. It's gonna be so much worse. Yeah. All right. Speaking of, <laughs> let's get into it now. Sorry to cut you off earlier, no, Terrence, but yeah. So yes, for home for homecoming weekend, USC takes on the Washington Huskies. Fifth ranked in the country, USC also coming in at twentieth in the first uh, college football playoff poll. We'll we'll, see. we'll take it. Let's yeah, see. I mean, a little higher than I expect. I thought it'd be close to the twenty-four where the AP and the coaches had them. Agreed, but yeah. that's what I thought. But you know what? Let's take what we can get. <laughs> that game will be on at four thirty on ABC. Let's break down the Huskies. Yeah, I think the Huskies have obviously they're an undefeated team, and so you have to give them credit for that. At the same time, though. SC has gotten a lot of hate over the past month over how they've played. Some of that is because of their two losses. Some of that is because you win by one point against Cal. No no one's going to respect you after that. Yeah. At the same time, though, I don't 
think Washington has been that much better. I I think if you if you watch any of the games, I mean, putting up I think it was 15 points against Arizona State that yeah. they had, mm-hmm. and one of them was a pick six. Yeah, their, their their offense has struggled at times. Now I do think their offense has been a little more consistent than the Trojans' offense, and I also think their defense definitely is the better unit, almost objectively, than the Trojans. So I do think Washington is the the overall better team, but I still think Washington has struggled, and no one has been talking about that. And I think that's because people like Washington. Washington is a very likable team, led by Michael Penix. Almost everyone loves Penix. And just in general, people like to hate on the Pac-12. No one likes SC. Colorado's a villain. And people kind of hate Oregon. No one likes Oregon, really. So that leaves Washington. So everyone just loves Washington. Washington, Washington, Washington. And they haven't lost a game. All their close games, they, they ended up on top. And credit to them, I mean, they... They are able to finish on top when they when, when they're in a tough game. USC hasn't been able to. At the same time, though, when you've got two teams that are good teams but have been struggling, it, it almost just feels like a coin flip as to as to who's going to win that matchup. And I, I don't think people are talking enough about how Washington has not looked the same as they did earlier in the season. Maybe yeah. that's true, but I'm still a little surprised at how uh, close the spread is. I thought I'm thinking three and a half is small. Yeah, I know. I'm thinking it's gonna be if you're sorry to do this again and Oh no. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, look, I gotta do my job here. <laughs> but yeah. So uh I'm thinking, unfortunately, I think USC's gonna lose by touchdown, maybe two, depending on how the defense does. And also if Penix's top two receivers, uh Roma Dunze and uh who's the other one? Romeo Dunze, Jalen Polk, Jalen McMillan. Yeah, I mean, like his first really two, yeah, they, of two of them <laughs> have like over a hun- average hundred yards. A game, so it's like they're averaging. Polk and Adunze both have over 800 yards. Yeah, that I think yeah, crazy in, in eight games. Yeah, so yeah. they're easily both over 100 yards, and so yeah, and then also if the Huskies are smart, they're gonna run the ball a lot. So that's actually the thing. This is one of the worst rushing teams in college football. Um, they are averaging about 100 mm-hmm. yards per game. True. You know that doesn't really mean anything because of course Colorado is the 128th best rushing team in the country and they ran all over the Trojans so that doesn't mean anything just thought I'd mention it fair enough but I'm but, just saying if you're smart you're going to look at yeah. try to see if you can exploit a team's uh, defensive weaknesses 100%. and USC's definitely deep uh, weaker on the rush against game. the rush game versus the passing game I don't know, but I still think it's awesome. gonna, I still think it's going to be a shootout oh, of a game nonetheless I think Caleb and Penix are going to go blow for blow it's going to yeah. be electric a lot of touchdowns yeah What's so frustrating about this game for me is, knowing you were mentioning it, is Washington has looked bad the past two games. Mm-hmm. They just have. They were one dropped. I'm not sure if you guys watched the Stanford-Washington game. I was watching game. that. It they was were, closer than the score would suggest. They were a dropped fourth down pass away from maybe losing that game. Mm-hmm. So what's so frustrating to me is this is getting my hopes up that the Trojans can actually win this game and they're going to break my heart and probably lose in some dramatic fashion on Saturday. I just know it's coming. It's exactly how Utah was. Yeah, I don't know. I'm like, I guess I'm just looking at more just the overall, like how they've looked kind of more overall. And sure, you've had a couple bad games. Sure, Penix might not be the number one, might not be the Heisman front runner right now, but you could still easily regain that, especially with a big performance tomorrow. I mean, realistically, he's going for 400 yards and four touchdowns, right? I yeah. mean, it's just going to happen. Yeah, probably. 
if wouldn't not be surprised more. if more. If I wouldn't be surprised if 500. I mean, why, why, it may as well go more. I mean, I wouldn't 600. be surprised at all. I, yeah, exactly. Ooh. We're I'm just going to keep jacking the number up I'm, at this point. I'm not even would be surprised. I really wouldn't. I mean, if we're being honest, there's like two competent corners on this team, Sierra Wright and Christian Roland Wallace. And Sierra is a little questionable sometimes. So, yeah. What are you going to do? Yeah. Also, another blood to the Trojans is that Zion, Zion Branch is now oh, out right, for the season, too. I'm. That was announced uh, earlier one. this week. Yeah, but so. Terrence, you're absolutely right. I, I think my hopes are getting up as well after watching after watching that Washington Stanford game. I really see weaknesses in this yeah. team, and I'm hoping that the Trojans can exploit it. My my heart tells me that the Trojans can win. My mind tells me no, they're not. But yeah. you always listen to your heart, right? And for me, I always, I I just feel like if the Trojans beat Washington, they can beat Oregon, and if they yeah. beat Oregon. Then they'll probably beat UCLA, and then they'll go into the Pac-12 championship as the number one ranked team in the Pac-12. And then my heart tells me that we can win, that the Trojans can win that game, which then means that the Trojans are going to finish the season as like the fifth or sixth ranked team. And Rose Bowl, and here we come. So that's all I'm hearing Trojans right now. Trojans are winning out. Well, yeah. it won't be the Rose Bowl this year, but <laughs> oh, still, right, it's in the playoff. Uh, but still, they'll make a New Year's. Yeah, uh, still New Year's six. Nolan, my advice for you is take it one game at a time. <laughs> I'll take Special. it one game at a time. Trojans win 42-38. Caleb Williams I love it. throws dimes all, all right. over I mean, this Washington I'm Husky secondary. 49-45 Trojans take it. Oof. I think it's a really high score. I think it's just a race to 50, and I think the Trojans win it. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. I'm going yeah, to disagree with you guys. I think the Huskies are going to take it, but sorry. Sorry, I see. So what do you guys – so Crash, what do you think the Trojans have to do – and this is also for Nolan, I guess – what do you guys think the Trojans have to do to actually win this game? They need to play better on defense, I think, is okay, a start. Well, <laughs> well, yeah. But also, it's offense. Just, yeah, offense too. The offensive line needs to protect Caleb Williams so he doesn't get sacked a bunch like he's been ever since Notre Dame. And, yeah, I think you got to protect Caleb. Marshawn Lloyd needs to be Marshawn Lloyd. Lincoln Riley needs to give him the ball. Please run the ball. A lot, like as we were talking about, like, Keep like keep feeding them the ball. Like if they get to Lloyd, they got a lot. I think their chances improve. Receivers need to get open. Caleb also needs to be smart with the ball and not just sometimes hold on to it for too long. Because I've been seeing that it's like sometimes, even sure like maybe he's like waiting too long to execute. Sometimes you just got to go for it. Yeah. And yeah, defense just needs to be better all around, especially against the run game. Sure, U Dub's a little weaker there, but if they're smart, they're gonna find a way to exploit that. Yeah. Go on. I don't think it's too complicated of a system for the Trojans to win the game. I think, first of all, the defense needs to just not be horrible. They need to be capable of going maybe two drives where they stop Washington from scoring a touchdown. And that might Asking be enough for, for a lot offense. right there, Nolan. That might be a lot. That might be too much. But I'm just going to say, overall, the defense just needs to be not horrific. That's the first thing. The second thing is the offensive line needs to improve. And that is a tough ask. We've, we've seen how this offensive mm-hmm. line has been. They've not been great. But I, I, I do think that in the, in the past few weeks, it hasn't been all that much Caleb Williams' fault. It's A lot of it has fallen on the line. Mm-hmm. The, the line has not helped him one bit. So I think the defense needs to be somewhat decent, a, like, a little bit competent. Like round where like that Notre Dame game was, if it weren't for the, you know, the offense throwing it away. Honestly, if if the Trojan defense looks like how they did against Notre Dame, I would be thrilled. Super happy. Yeah. I would be I would be thrilled. That that's more that's more than enough. I just need mm-hmm. something in between Cal and For sure. Something in between that. I need the offensive line to be pretty good and then I need the receivers to get open. That's been the big thing. The uh, Taj Washington has been the only guy and I need other guys to get open. Mm-hmm. 
One thing that I'm like really interested in is I think what this happened during the Cal game. USC forced four turnovers, the most they've forced all year. That was like accounted for about a third of their turnovers this season. So one thing I'm interested in, maybe the Trojans, and this is of course wishful thinking, maybe the Trojans they'll allow a lot of yards, like this, like going back to kind of what they did last year, allow a lot of yards, but they force a lot of turnovers. And if the Trojans can do that, I'd be extremely happy, especially with this Washington team. Because, I mean, realistically, they're going to give up a lot of yards. They're just going to. But if they can force some turnovers, that's huge momentum builders. If you want, I mean, problem is with that, I'm not trying to, I'm obviously, hopefully they can do that. But the thing is, you don't have a playmaker like Tuli Tuipuloto on this team. And that is the reason why the turnover margin is not what it was last year. Yeah, same with the sacks. Yeah. Four words. Bear Alexander, Kalen Bullock. All Those right. are your two playmakers like, yeah. right there. And can we talk for a second about how much of a difference maker Bear Alexander was? He is. The mm-hmm. difference in how our defense looked between the two halves was night and day. It was a little mm-hmm. crazy. Yeah, it especially was, with USC going in the locker room 28 down 28-17. Yeah, he really is. like he's he play, I don't think he like had a sack or like that many tackles in particular. He's really just a difference maker, though, because you have to send two guys to block him. He's... He has been phenomenal this year. He really has. Yeah. And we, they, the Trojans need him to make plays versus Washington. One thing that I'm really interested in, though, with this Washington team, as we said, they've looked pretty bad the past two weeks. Yet they, in my opinion, have the best win of the top five CFP. Maybe, I actually, probably just the best win in college football in general, which was versus Oregon. Mm-hmm. And, of course, it, was, it came down to a missed field goal by Oregon. And who, of course, Oregon kind of looks like the best team in the Pac-12. But it's such an interesting dynamic of how a team can look so bad two weeks, and then the week before that, like three weeks ago, they look fantastic. They look like a top three team in the country, and they've really dropped off. And I think this kind of goes back to getting my hopes up. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, it's such an interesting dynamic with this Washington team. Yeah, it'll definitely be interesting to see it all play out, especially as uh, Raylan Goforth will make his first return to the Coliseum. Oh, is he really? Yeah, well, he transferred to Washington after last oh, season. About it that. will also be Jennifer Cohen's first time with oh. UW football back ever since she <laughs> took the job to USC. So just want to point that stuff out before we uh, move on to soccer. So let's move on to that real quick with like the cup few for the last few minutes of this. So number two, t- number 22 women's soccer heads to Westwood to end the season against number two UCLA, who has already claimed the Pac-12 championship and will be headed to the NCAA tournament. What are you guys' thoughts on this? I'm not. Looking forward to it, to be honest. UCLA is an amazing team, and any game that the Trojans lose to UCLA is just disappointing. And <laughs> I'm I'm hoping that we can take this game, that the football team can take the game against UCLA. I'm hoping that the basketball team maybe is able to sweep UCLA. Just in general, though, you, going up against UCLA is scary, especially, especially when they have objectively a better roster. And also, I mean, yeah, l- last year, though, USC did manage to get a 2-0 win, I think it was, over them. I was there. Yeah, sounds but, right. But... Uh, However, this game is in Westwood, so I think that UCLA is immediately a home field advantage. They're the reigning national champions, and I think their fans are going to show up for that one for sure. Yeah, I mean, the Trojans, they've looked solid the past two weeks. A tie versus um, number four Stanford, 0-0, and then a 2-0 win versus Cal last weekend. I mean, they've looked pretty solid. They're going to need a lot to look a lot better than solid at number two UCLA. One thing I think we need to talk about, what is with... Uh, the game is at Wallace Annenberg Stadium. What is with Wallace Annenberg throwing her name out? We are the Wallace Annenberg School of Journalism and Communication, or switch that. What is with that? I th- w- w- what's going on, Wallace? And there's an Annenberg at 
UPenn. I, I know. Believe, well, right? what, what's that about, guys? I thought we were. I thought we were the only one. Uh, I'm frustrated. Unfortunately, not used to <laughs> Yeah, I know. Wow, you really. Uh, I don't know if there's much loyalty with her. Apparently not. No, <laughs> she's just throwing out money to anyone, any school in LA, I guess, and Penn. I guess. And UPenn, <laughs> both Inf- coasts. Infuriating. Damn, it's tragic. Well, that's gonna be our show for the week. We will uh, see you next week from Studio B, along with Nolan Ezit and Terrence Holden. I'm Crash Collier. Thanks and have a great day.